0: This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2016. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. John's Gospel, uh, chapter 4. John's Gospel, chapter 4. That's where we need to be. Uh, It's a fairly lengthy reading this this morning, but that's okay. It's all the one story. And just to refresh yourselves, uh, reading from verse 1, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus Uh, Made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. The woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, "'You would have asked him, "'and he would have given you living water. "'The woman said to him, "'Sir, you have nothing to draw with, "'and the well is deep. "'Where then do you get that living water? "'Are you greater than our father Jacob, "'who gave us the well and drank from it himself, "'as well as his sons and his livestock?' "'Jesus answered and said to her, "'Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, "'but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him "'will never thirst.' But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, "'Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship.' And Jesus said to her, "'Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we, we, but, we but we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews.'" But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. And at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking to her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. And in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, his disciples said to him, one to, or sorry, therefore, disciples said one to another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows, and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors." And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. And he, to- he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now, this is a wonderful encounter with Christ that this Samaritan woman had at the well of Sychar. And it's remarkable for a number of reasons. Uh, First of all, it's remarkable because this is the longest recorded conversation in Scripture that Jesus had with anyone. Secondly, it's remarkable because this divine appointment that Jesus had with this woman uh, gave him the opportunity to share something that he hadn't shared with anyone else up to that point in that he was and is the Messiah. And also given this woman's uh, background and life choices, it's remarkable how easily and how readily she grasped the gospel and became a blazing evangelist. And also because it demonstrates to all of us that no matter how messed up a life can be, it is still redeemable. It's still redeemable. With Christ, all things are possible. And so to set the scene this morning for this encounter with this woman that Jesus had at the well of Sychar, uh, let me remind you uh, about who the Samaritans were. Hundreds and hundreds of years prior to this, the Assyrians had come in and they had conquered the 10 northern tribes, and most of them, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, were taken into captivity. And as always in, in those days, in ancient times, whenever another nation conquered another nation and they took their people away captive, uh, then they would bring other captives from other nations they had conquered and bring them in to live there. And uh, that's the way they did things in those days. And uh, when that happened then, over a period of time, these other people who had been conquered, who had been brought in to Israel, uh, then they started to intermingle and marry with the populace who had been left. And so they were kind of a half-breed nation. And not only that, but they took upon themselves Judaism and they mixed it with their pagan beliefs. So it was synchronistic uh, religion. And so it was partly true and partly false. And uh, that's, that's who the Samaritans were. Now, of course, uh, about 100 years or so after Israel had been taken captive, then Judah, the two southern nations, Babylon, came in, took them into captivity for 70 years, and then they returned. But whenever they returned, uh, they were absolutely appalled Uh, these Samaritans, and how they had hijacked uh, Judaism and mixed it with paganism. And so they were appalled at this. And not only that, that they had Mount Gerizim as their central place of worship, whereas, of course, any self-respecting Jew, then it would be uh, Jerusalem. And so there was much ill feeling between them. The Jews absolutely hated the Samaritans. And the feeling was quite mutual. In fact, this animosity between these two peoples was legendary. Uh, so much so, in fact, that if, if a Jew wanted to go from Judea in the south to Galilee in the north, the quickest route would be straight up and through the territory of Samaria. But instead of that, they would cross the Jordan and take a long, long detour, uh, better a long detour than, than crossing the path of some despised Samaritan, defile yourself. That's how bad things were. Uh, but Jesus was going to blow a massive hole in that misguided patriotism and that radical prejudice that they held and their religious elitism that they were so proud of. Now, however much today, I, I would love to go into every detail of that story, as I'm, I'm sure I've done in the past. Uh, today, I want to focus just particularly on one aspect of the story... Uh, And that is the two wells that have been mentioned here, Uh, the well of Sychar and the well of the Savior, the well of Jacob and the well of Jesus, Jesus' well and Jacob's well, these two wells, the one that the woman spoke of and the one that Jesus spoke of. And I want us this morning just to contrast these two wells and see where it leads us today. First of all, one was an inner well and one was an outer well. One was spiritual, the other was material. Uh, One preserved the inner life and one preserved the outer life. And man invariably drinks at the wrong well. Man drinks at the outer well, the material well. Man drinks not at the spiritual well at the inner well that Jesus spoke of. And that's the problem, isn't it? Whenever we start to drink at the wrong well, then we find that that can never quench the thirst. It never will satisfy. The outer can never fully satisfy the inner. The material can never fully satisfy the spiritual. Sychar's well can never satisfy the Savior's well. We've got to make a choice. God has put eternity in every man's heart. But the trouble is, they drink at the wrong well. All her life, this woman had been drinking at the wrong well. When it came to relationships in her life, she was a mess. She had had five husbands She's on to her sixth. But by this time, she has no confidence. By this time, she will not commit again. This time, she's cohabiting. This time, she would be fearful of going any further. But she must have a man. And so her reputation has gone before her. She's coming at midday to this well when most women would come out in the morning or the evening, not to the heat of the day. But through shame and embarrassment and and through gossip and talk, she comes at this time when nobody normally would be about the well. She had deep, unresolved issues regarding men that they could not fix for her. She always wanted to be fixed, and she thought the way to get fixed was get this, a man, a companion, and she tried many of them, but none of them were fixing her. None of them were working in her favor. And there are lots of people who are trying to do life like this woman, but they're all messed up. And they're forever messing up because they're drinking at their wrong well. They're searching for an outer answer to an inner problem. And you cannot find an outer answer to an inner problem. You cannot find a physical answer to a spiritual problem. You have to drink at the right well. Frances Bevan, some of you may remember the old, old hymn she wrote. I'll just <laughs> quote a verse in a chorus. I tried the broken cistern, Lord, but ah, the waters failed. And even as I stooped to drink, and they fled and they mocked me as I wheeled. Now none but Christ can satisfy. None other name for me. There's love and life and lasting joy, Lord Jesus, found in thee. And that's the answer, isn't it? By the way, the inspiration for that verse is found in Jeremiah 213. My people have committed two sins, God said. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns, that cannot hold water. They've been drinking it the wrong way. Well. And so here she is, looking for an inner answer to an outer problem and she can't find it until Christ comes. Secondly, one well was temporary and the other was permanent. The water in Jacob's well was short-lived. It would only last a few hours but then you had to keep going back every day again and again. The water Jesus offered was eternal. He said, the water that I offer, if you drink it, you will never thirst again. But here's the problem. Man will trade the eternal for the temporal. Man will trade the passing for the permanent. Man will trade the present for the future. And therein lies the problem. What happened to Esau? All his future was in the birthright. But he traded all that for the present. He wanted that dish of lentils. And in that moment where his flesh was in the ascendancy and in the throne of his heart... He traded away all his future for that. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas traded the permanent for the passing. He traded his future for the present. Whenever you think of the prodigal son, we see the same thing. He had an inheritance that was rightfully his but it was in the future. But he wanted it now. And so he traded all of that bright future for his present, which turned out to be miserable. And only for the love and the faithfulness and the compassion and the mercy of a good, good father. (laughs) He never would have made it. Joseph was different because when Potiphar's wife tried again and again every day to seduce him. Whatever his future was going to be, it was going to be with God, and he wasn't going to trade it, not for the pleasures of sin for a moment. And he said no. Yes, it got him into trouble. Yes, there was a rough period, but in the end, we know the story that God raised him up a mighty man became a figure of Christ in the Old Testament. And so Jacob's well has long since dried up, but Jesus' well still flows, and it flows on forever. And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Now, even though the woman mistakenly thought that Jesus was speaking about natural water, and giving her natural water that would be so magical that she would never ever need a drink again. Even though she mistakenly thought that at that moment, it shows you that in the heart of man, they're searching for something that is permanent, that is lasting, that is fulfilling. But they're looking in all the wrong places. They're drinking in all the wrong wells. But their heart is longing for something. They want something to last. They want something to be permanent. They want something to fulfill the very longings in their heart. But if they look in the wrong place, they're not going to find it. And sometimes they look and they they go to drink or they go to drugs or they live a promiscuous lifestyle and they try to find something permanent there and they can't find it. And it drives them further to it and further away from the reality of what they need. And sometimes it's not drink or it's not drugs or it's not promiscuity. Sometimes it's a dream, it's a goal, it's an objective, it's something they have that they must attain to. And often when they get there and maybe attain it, it leaves them still thirsty. What now? What do I do now? I've done that, been there, done that, got the t shirt. What's next? What now? And their whole life is a cycle of trying to find something lasting and permanent and fulfilling, and they can't find it. It's only passing It's not permanent. It's only a temporary relief. But what Jesus offers will outlive this life and will last for eternity. Glory to God. Aren't you glad you found the right well today? One well was looking backwards the other well was looking forward verse 11 and 12 sir you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep where then do you get that living water are you greater than our father jacob who gave us the well and drank for it from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock By the way, just as an aside, uh, the Jews despised the Samaritans for owning the patriarchs as theirs. Our father Jacob. Any Jew hearing that, the hackles would rise in the back of his neck. But not Jesus. Not Jesus. He took it all in his stride because he knew how lost this woman was. The woman was looking backwards to a well that she did have. Jesus was pointing her forward to a well that she could have. And it would make all the difference in the world in her life. The Old Testament with its rituals, its sacrifices, its ordinances, were all about to pass away. And everything that Jacob's well represented here was about to be gone. It served its purpose, but it was going to be eclipsed. Its fulfillment was close at hand because Jesus was going to fulfil everything that was foreshadowed in the Old Testament. Now, of course, she didn't know this at this point. All she could do was look back. But Jesus was pointing her to look forward. And then she went into a theological debate, didn't she? About the best place to worship. Mount Gerizim. That's where we worship. But you Jews, you worship at Jerusalem. Hmm. And Jesus said, but the day's coming. Well, neither at Mount Gerizim nor at Jerusalem will men worship the Father because he's looking true spiritual worship. It's not so much caring about a place, but the heart of the worshipers. The heart of the worshipers. Worship in spirit and in truth. It may be a wee group of Kenyans underneath a tree where well, they don't even have a building. But the Father is delighted in their worship if it's in truth and it's from their spirit. So it would no longer be ritual, but reality. That's what Jesus was telling her. You've got your rituals, but I'm looking for reality. I thank God for the Old Testament. Thank God for the Torah and the writings and the prophets and the Old Testament Hebrew Scriptures. Thank God for Judaism, which was the cradle of Christianity. Thank God for all of that. And while we honor that, and we must honor that, but we have a new covenant today, a new testament, written in the very blood of Christ our Savior. The Old Testament priesthood has been abolished. Jesus is now our great high priest, our faithful high priest. And not only that, but Peter said in 1 Peter 2 and 9, But you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. (laughs) A special people. A holy nation. He's talking about believers here. That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Glory to God. And so Christ was pointing her forward. She was looking back. And that's the problem with Judaism today. It's always looking back. But Christ came to make us look forward to a better covenant, says in Hebrews, to better promises, to a better sacrifice. And Christ is better, isn't he? And his sacrifice is better. Not the blood of bulls and goats. But with the precious blood of Christ. <laughs> ah, not with silver or gold, Peter said. In the vain traditions of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without spot or without blemish. And then, one well was measurable and the other was immeasurable. One well was measurable, the other was immeasurable. Verse 11, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. And that was true. The well was deep. And he didn't have anything to draw with. Normally, what they would use would be like a leather bucket. And they'd tie a rope on it, and would drop it down and then haul it up. And if there was a traveling band, they would maybe have at least one bucket, maybe two buckets, leather buckets, and they would just unfold them, and there'd be maybe a stick this way and a stick that way just to widen it, and they would drop it down lift it up again. And she looked, and Jesus didn't have any. The disciples probably had. They were way into town, but certainly Jesus didn't have them. And she says, the well is deep. And it was deep, very deep. And she knew exactly how deep it was because she had plumbed that well every day for years. So she knew how deep it was. It was measurable. But the well Jesus spoke of was immeasurable. There was no limit to its depths. The well of sin is deep. But the well of grace is deeper much deeper, isn't it? Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And even though a man or a woman may fall into the deepest well of sin imaginable, the well of grace can lift him up. Can pick her up. And that's what's about to happen to this woman. She's going to discover a well of grace that she never knew. Yes, she had her own well or wells of laws and rituals and formulas, but it didn't work. The well of shame is deep, but the well of forgiveness is deeper still. Micah 719, you cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Glory to God. The well of failure is deep. but the well of a second chance is deeper still. Thank God for a second chance. Some of us has had more than a second chance. Ask David, ask Jacob, ask Peter. Failures, totally, completely failed. But they got a second chance. Ask the adulterous woman caught in the very act completely failed morally but you got a second chance woman where are your accusers they'd all gone no man accused me Lord neither do I contemn you but go and sin no more don't ever do this again She got a second chance. Mary Magdalene was a woman out of whom Jesus cast seven devils. How they got there in the first place, we don't know. But what we do know, they had an effect on her. Anybody that would have seven demons, you can be sure the personality would change. There'd be an awful effect in that life. And as far as anybody else was concerned, all hope would be gone, but not with Jesus. She found that well of grace and mercy, and she was delivered and set free. Ask Paul how deep the well is, and he will say to you, I was the chiefest of sinners but today I am what I am by the grace of God. (laughs) He'll tell you of its breadth, of its height, of its length, of its depth. He'll tell you about God's peace and his love that passes all understanding. How deep is that? We'll never plumb its depths. Sure we won't. See, everything in this life is measurable. But when you come to the grace of God and the mercy of God and the love of God, it's immeasurable. <laughs> you never get to the bottom of it. <laughs> it's bottomless. So no matter a man or a woman, how deep they may fall into sin, there's hope, isn't there? Because there's grace and forgiveness. All is required is a change of heart, change of mind, repentance. Then comes remission of sins. One old preacher said, this woman came with a bucket and she went back with a well. <laughs> and she did. She found the well that Jesus was speaking of the fountain that would be within, that would spring up into everlasting life. And as soon as she got a drink of that well, she was completely and utterly changed. Immediately she had to tell somebody. (laughs) And she left the bucket. She left the bucket that represented her past Her failures, her shame, her sin. And now she's full of new life. (laughs) She got a drink at the master's well. And what does she do? She goes into town. And every man she met, she told him, Come see a man that told me everything I did. Is this not the Christ? (laughs) Is this not the Messiah? Nobody else but the Christ could tell me my whole life, <laughs> and they believed her. And then they wanted to meet Jesus too, and they come back, stay with us two days, and he stayed, and he shared with them, and taught them, and preached to them, and they believed everything he said. And they says, "You are the Christ. You are the Messiah." Now we know we have heard for ourselves. That woman set out that noontime for a bucket of water and she met Christ and her life was radically and forever changed. And that's what the gospel does. And all of our lives were changed when we met the Christ, didn't we? When we get that well inside of us, our lives were changed. And we wanted to tell somebody, didn't we? We wanted to share with somebody. I remember the night I got saved. And the next night, which was a Sunday night the next night, I was on the night shift. And I had to go into work. All those men I worked with. And there was believers among them. And one came to me. Not a believer, but an unbeliever. I I, I was just... I was was just on the floor of the factory where I worked and he came right over to me and he says, hey, God, come here, may I tell you this? I remember putting up my hand and saying, no, I don't want to hear it. I know what you're going to say. I don't want to hear it. Why? I says, last night, I became a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ. (laughs) I didn't have to tell anybody after that. (laughs) (laughs) Within five minutes, the whole place knew. And then believers came to me. And they encouraged me. And they put their arm around me and says, Wonderful. Praise God. Congratulations. And that was the start of it. And we never looked back. Yeah, there was some banter, there was some fun. And a lot of it was just Mickey taking. It was just it was just fun. There was no there was one or two it was a bit more than that. But for most people it was a bit of banter. And you took it. You got it today, somebody else got it tomorrow. But your life was changed and you knew it. And not only that, they knew it. They could see it. And then at every opportunity, you got the chance and you shared. And after a wee while, they would have come to you in the workplace. And I told you before, they would look all around to see if nobody else was watching. And they would say, Well, wee son's get into the hospital in the morning, say a wee prayer for him. They're looking all around. I said, certainly I will. And one, one guy who... Well, well, anyway. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. And then another, another guy came to me when he heard He says, my wife's a believer, you know. And he's whispering, looking all around. I says, that's wonderful. That's great. I never knew that. Of course, he had no reason to tell me that. Sure he hadn't. I think after he told me his wish, and he hadn't told me, because that gave me the entrance to share with him, you see. And he knew, of course, because his wife was a believer. So once, once you get this well inside you, then you want to give others a drink, don't you? A lot of thirsty people out there, they're drinking at the wrong well. They're not going to make it. They're messed up the way we were messed up. But if they find the well of living water, let me just close with this. John 7. Verse 37 On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But Jesus is glorified today and he's still giving of his Holy Spirit. And so the well that we have us inside today is the well of the Holy Spirit, the living water of the Spirit of God. And that's what keeps us right and that's what keeps our spirit fresh. And that's what empowers us to live this Christian life because we're drinking up the right well. Amen? And then out of our bellies, out of her innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. And you can't but help it <laughs> because it's so good, isn't it? The living water of Christ, the Holy Spirit of God, Each heart today that knows him and loves him is filled with the Spirit of God and it overflows into the lives of others. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for that day and hour whenever we get saved, born again of your Spirit. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who resides in us. And Lord, I just want to personally thank you for that gift of tongues that you give freely, I thank you, Lord, that we can't speak to you in a heavenly language. Amen. We bless you for that. Hallelujah. For the strength, for the refreshing of it. And thank you that your spirit empowers each of us to live this life of Christ. Hallelujah. And to be a witness and a testimony of his goodness. And his mercy. Thank you, Lord Jesus, as you touched that woman's life, you've touched our lives, and you're still touching lives today. Your well has never run dry, and men and women can still drink at it. So we give you thanks for it, and we bless you. And now, Lord, as we focus our thoughts upon this table of bread and wine we stop and give you thanks for Calvary where all began for us Amen. the old rugged cross where you gave everything for us thank you for salvation today yes, the gift of life that you have imparted Hallelujah. supernatural supernatural Born from above. Born of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for this, Lord. And Lord, as we partake of these emblems representing your body and your blood, we are forever grateful. It means so much to know that we have been saved and born again. And Lord, we think of our family members, our loved ones. We think of the prodigals within our families. And, Lord, not one of them is beyond your reach. Lord, they may be beyond our reach, but not your reach. And, Lord, you can reach out by your Spirit. And you can go places that we cannot go, and you can say things that we cannot say. So we thank you, Lord. Draw them to yourself by your Spirit. And now, Lord, as we prepare our hearts to partake, we give you thanks. Bless you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for life everlasting. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast.